My name is Mark Birkwood. I'm an autistic comedian. And as well as um, being autistic, I work in a special needs school. Some say it's a bit like the blind leading the blind. Uh, just a little joke to open up the uh, cast there. Anyway, welcome to Autism Hour. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Mark Birkwood and welcome to the Autism Hour. Uh, today with me is comedian Stephen Catlin. Hello Stephen. Hello, hello, hello. Oh. How, do you know, do you know, do you know I, I really appreciate these sound effects but um, I, I, I do have my own so... Uh, but no, no. What I'll do, what I'll do, I'll add it to the ongoing range of things I'm discovering with Audacity and all the other editing software that uh, I'm trying to attempt to use. And I know Audacity is very basic, but um, hey, that's me, I guess. Uh, anyway, uh, so h- how are you, Stephen? Are you doing well? Uh, I'm still breathing for now. Uh, I mean, that's my- gone <laughs> yeah no that's my answer well that's the main thing isn't it that you're breathing um i think that's yeah. the i think you know that's the least i think i should expect from any guest on here that they are breathing um although it would sound quite strange if it was just heavy breathing for an hour um i think that's a different type of skype call um or, i think it's the um the stalker podcast that you're looking for if you want heavy breathing yeah, stalk, yeah, exactly. Stalker podcasts. Those, Stalkers those, go go up to windows and just breathe. Breathe incredibly heavily, and just everyone will come flocking to you, or you'll come flocking to them more. Um, right, this is this is probably the weirdest. Took a dark turn already. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me with you. I mean, we'll, we'll, the listeners will find out later why that is the case. But yeah, uh, it, it, <laughs> less, less than two minutes, and we're already talking about heavy breathing and stalkers. I think you just bring out um, darkness. The darkness, yes. Well, I'd, I'd say bring out like suck in the darkness. Uh, probably more accurate kind of description um i think what i sort of want to talk about first is um for those that don't know how did you get into comedy how did that happen but yeah how Um, did that how did that journey happen for you um okay so there's sort of the and i give the pre there's the pre-uni stuff i did uh which is actually probably so i like stand up from very um young age uh and my mother got me into Peter Connolly but on the other hand I also uh, sort of the age 13 uh like many 13 year olds was uh dragged into an obsession with Monty Python um which nice. led to me wanting to write sort of sketches which had initially I actually did some like with friends so for our one of our re lessons in year nine we actually made a parody uh of uh, Noah's Ark, which we called Noah's TARDIS. I played that, the chicken. 
uh, as well as I played Noah's son, uh, a chicken and a boiled egg. Uh, and the reason why we transitioned to these characters and no one else does is because they kept killing my character off. Uh, and then he keeps reincarnating into subsequent characters. Uh, but the sort of big swing into it uh, were actually started on the journey that most people would probably recognise uh, would be when I started uni in um, 2012. Uh, I did my f- first ever gig with the um, my sort of my first, most of my first 25 gigs over a long period of time, uh, which is why officially I don't say I start till 2017. But I performed with uh, what um, known in a student society that is known as the Lancaster University Comedy Institute. Uh, funny enough, we um, many people say like, "Oh, institute, that sounds a bit arrogant." But one, we didn't want to be comsuck. But also, uh, before I joined, they used to be called Lucifer. Uh, so before they just really... you joined, before you joined, they used to be called Lucifer. Yeah. So <laughs> institute for amateurs, um, and then they dropped it. Yeah, I know it's ironic that. Um, yeah. They dropped it and then I joined. Uh, I guess it's the universe just trying to balance things out. Uh, yeah. So, so was that the equivalent of uh, the Cambridge Footlights? I mean, or... barring the sort of opportunities, nepotism, and uh... yeah, yeah, but barring <laughs> privilege, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but barring I mean, class, I mean, you know, privilege. Barring that, yeah. But then that could be said with any comedy society oh, at uh, uni, from uni, yeah. Oxford yeah. or Cambridge like one of the more yeah uh, so yeah I did start uh, my Lancaster University uh, where it's different and it's probably why I've got a, probably a little bit more of a why I have certain different huge differences between a lot of, between myself and a lot of people you might see on the more mainstream circuit um but equally still sometimes quite odd within the odd um within the alternative circuit at times because most of them have gone to clown school in france uh also known as gollier um uh but yeah so with what we did in that society we um, used to basically workshop every set before we let you on so if it was shit we wouldn't let you on until it was good yeah oh but, fair yeah. enough so you had you had the sort of that you had standards if you will like you, you didn't just take in anyone and um, um yeah well no we took in anyone we just didn't let anyone do the stand-up um without going through it was it's sort of um uh and people have had a look, um I've talked to him about this sometimes get upset on the freedom of speech thing but um we need it to do one it's we want to have a high standard yeah and we want people to keep coming back um but also we want the acts to actually have a good time because no one wants to die on stage that's not fun for anyone well no nope. some people find it fun but um either performer or audience but they're um they can be somewhat twisted uh, in there. Yes. Um, but look, I mean, um, but but sure, I mean, surely in a way that's, 
a rite of passage for most comedians. Like, I'm not saying you die all the time, but everyone will. Like, oh, no yeah, matter no. how, how, how good or bad you are, everyone is going to die on stage at some point. It's just, I have, you probably have. Like, it's it's the natural, it's just how you develop. But Yeah, um, no, I, I agree with that. Um, like, But at the same time, you kind of want to, it's the same acts and the same people. It's not like you have the tight selection pro. Um, not tight. You have like an open um, selection process, but also it makes it better because you know you, you and I have both been to open mics, and we you know how it can be sometimes a bit yeah. of a crap a crapshoot in terms of quality. Um, oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, like you might find the next few BBC see the next few potential BBC new comedian acts uh, on and that's gonna that'll be brilliant and hell you may see it consistently they're all good uh, and then one week you go to a different night and they're all just it's just 10 white guys talking about masturbation for five minutes each <laughs> um, I mean it's a way it's like so, so, okay, so you talked about uh, your time at university, and and yeah. it was mainly sketches that you would no, focus um, on, or just stand up. No, no, no. So it we did the society did sketch improv, um, stand up, um, which when I was about, it was sort of almost fifty sketch, fifty stand up, and then we started introducing more improv, especially into li- uh, live shows. Um, just because there weren't enough stand-ups at the time, because it's it's very difficult to just get people to join the stand-up site. Like, hey, go and perform jokes that are your own. Um, yeah, uh, when you're asking like you know eighteen to twenty-one year olds to do that, it's like, yeah, no, it's 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 not like in all fairness, I didn't start comedy until I was like twenty-seven, so it's just kind of like it takes people longer than others, so. Yeah. So, 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 when you performed, was it more straight stand-up? No. Oh no, 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 no. It was. This is the funny thing. Um, well, it's not funny. It's just true. Uh, yeah. Um. So most comics spend like their first year to try to maybe more try oh trying to find a voice. In fact, some probably are have gone a long time and are probably even still very successful and just not quite found what they consider their voice uh i was very fortunate in that um did the sort of like first rehearsals and they we figured ah you're surrealist i'm like all right and then it's just very easy it was always easy to write surrealist absurdist stuff um do you need me to explain what that is for listeners or are we gonna assume they know Uh, Yeah, no, no, no. Briefly, like surrealism, like just, just in a nutshell, or maybe give examples of what people may have seen that would. Oh right, examples would be quicker. Um, Mike Bush, Monty Python, Bojack Horseman, yeah. Rick and Roy yeah. would be considered usually uh, surrealist stuff. Some of the stuff you might see of Bill Bailey, um, for example. Oh yeah, when I would say so. Yeah. Uh, when he's got his four, especially in I think it's Tinsel Worm, where he's got his um four aspects of his psyche speaking to himself um like he has and, he, and his and, uh man walks into the bar joke i think that 
gets incredibly surreal. I think he's uh, yeah. I think he's done that and the Chaucer poem as well. And oh, that's mm. not surreal as, as such. But well, the man, the man there's a elements of what he does and what I think what could be considered more surrealist stand-up comedy tends to be also more absurdist. There is a difference between I would argue there's a difference between the schools, um, but the difference is simply that one is. It's essentially almost a straight man, um, and then whatever the opposite of a straight man is. Uh, yeah. What is the technical term for an opposite for a straight man? I always the wild card. Let's call him the wild card. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good thing I don't teach comedy. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, the difference is is who or what has been the straight man. So if you are a surrealist you're kind of the straight man to reality uh to a weird okay. sort of alice in wonderland like reality um yes i say alice in wonderland doesn't have to be alice in wonderland could be stephen king could be lovecraft doesn't matter uh just has no, to be I a agree. weird world <laughs> I, I i get the point so, so sort of like straight away you found yourself right this is what i do surrealism is what I do because that's what naturally comes out of me, and that was obviously based yeah. on a lot of your influences going up. But you, you said after uni there was that big break, almost like how, it how wasn't, many years? Well, no, it wasn't a big oh. break. So it's like twenty-five gigs in the first four years before I moved to London, um, over a stretch of four years. Um, so they, I kind of dismissed the years, but not the gigs. Um, and so it's not the same, like, the fourth year, so it was after I graduated uni, was probably, like, three gigs, and it was a bit of a quiet year for me, because I was just trying to, I was like, no comedy until I get a job. Uh, and that wasn't uh, probably a good idea in hindsight. But, uh, um, yeah, no, basically, when I moved down to the south from the north, um, I just made it a new year's resolution to start performing comedy regularly went to um and then decided to go on my birthday um which is in january so good time to do it uh after basically having a look see if i could find any walk-in gigs which there used to be actually a fair few more uh when i started in london in 2017 that went the best so when i say the best that Everything clicked. Everything went into place, and it just felt uh, right. Ooh. Oh, there's several gigs I could name for that. Um, so I'm just going to say the best one in because of its uh, emotional stakes that were evolved yeah. more than the uh, and the fact that I did do well, really good in it, and got a big sort of thumbs up from Tom Tuck a few days after. Um, which is Alternative Comedy Memorial Society, which is yeah um, a very, very important gig for me uh, as an alternative comedian. And just, like, it's one of my favourite... Like, there's not... I'm not exactly someone who likes to just go to gigs, uh, but if I do, it's usually... I'll go... I'll take Angel usually to... I might usually take someone to Angel because, like, there's cheap comedy... Uh, and it's great uh here's some cheap yeah. relatively cheap comedy with pr- professional acts um go watch you're welcome uh and then but 
the one that sort of like I'm always looking forward to, and a fair few I go with sometimes a fair few other comics uh, like uh, me and Jinya Cheng, for example, go have gone down to watch ACMS uh, a fair amount as well as Sam. I Dunn. mean, I used to when I was in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. I used to. I used to, I actually went to their Edinburgh stuff like at least two or three times uh, within the week I was there because it'd be different every night. And um, just yeah. Tom Tuck, John Luke Roberts, that whole kind of. Oh, they're uh, just, they're just uh, brilliant acts. They are. It's, like, it's funny. I wouldn't describe my uh, act as surreal, although I think it's maybe getting towards more that. I don't know. But I, mean, I think I appreciate. People... Yeah, go on. Hmm. I would say, I think, well, I mean, if you're going from my perspective, uh, it's more likely that if that's the case, you probably will just, like, you need to establish it with the more conventional stuff, and then you've just sensed the pull for the weird. Because um, that's just almost... Have. Yeah, because when I started London, uh, surprisingly, I mean, I'm always... I was always just realist and absurdist. Um, and the thing is, with the uni gigs, like this, the funny thing, if you actually were to watch the videos, uh, but please don't, because I'm better than that now. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh god, there was so much stuttering back then. Uh, or going and leaps of logic that um, only really worked with a student crowd, or somewhat. Uh, anyway but each set got progressively more weird. Uh, and it was almost like an arms race between myself and myself of like, how far can I push it? Um, you hang on, uh, hang on. You, that was one of your shows you did. Stephen Catlin versus himself or no, or I didn't got that. No, wrong. no, that, that I only started doing work. So that only really, that only got its name in, well, twenty eighteen, um, yeah. um, in a conversation with Stephen Trumbull, because uh, he pointed out like nearly every set I do seems to be an exist. I'm having an existential crisis, um, and usually because it's it relates to like fancy things like I end up doing an exorcism or fighting uh, swans, but not in the way that not like an actual swan in the park, but more like legions of swan. Like it was actually more like 300 than, or a Viking epic than a, uh, actual, you know, dis- disagreement with a swan at a p- local park. Um, or, yeah. um, sexy sharks, um, doing burlesque. <laughs> um, um, but basically, yeah, he pointed out like every, you always seem to sort of think you're another animal or doing exorcism. And I, thought to myself so basically the show is sort of i'm fighting myself and other monsters which i picked monsters uh because one that's almost the sort of perception i have myself that's perception of my sort of almost jekyll like stage persona so my yeah the difference between me and stage is sort of hulk and bruce banner or jekyll and hyde um, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they're both me. It's just one's me without the masks and social constraints. Um, 
they have to do in society. Um, Damn society! With its, oh, you have to say things like "good morning," and they, and then they look How's... surprised if you say one of those statements is true, uh, <laughs> and one is a lie. But which one's which? It's morning, not good. Uh, <laughs> Why can't people be more truthful? But uh, so, like, so. Um, that's, um, what I wanted to, that's what I've always wanted to ask you. So, Alternative Comedy Memorial Society, your absolute best gig. And because I know you've been, that was kind of almost not your holy grail to your final goal, but like your next stage in your comedy journey. It's been was, something, it was something I was chasing for a long time. Um, and I was actually probably chasing. I would have almost done the London gig, but, you know, then we had the pandemic, so it cancelled, uh, which yeah. led to a lot of, uh, not on them, just at the universe in general, um, <laughs> sort of, fuck! Um, because a lot of gigs I was trying to get, um, sort of just, it's delayed. Some have <laughs> gone off the map now completely, like, there was one gig I was going to get paid, definitely going to get paid quite a nice amount of money. Um, and it's like, we basically, co- we, they were starting it up, essentially. And then COVID sort of taking them out. So support live comedy people. I mean, I'm saying this no. on a comedy podcast, so I'm preaching to choir, but support live comedy. No, seriously. But th- that's the thing. Just before lockdown, I was starting to get the odd pay gig, and even though it wasn't like regular, it was it was a start or something, and then it's just all gone. Um, but then, so yeah, that's what that's what I said. That's what I always wanted to ask: Would you ever try conventional comedy, or have you ever tried conventional comedy, or is that totally out your realm of um, possibility? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Never say never. Um, so I've actually have tried doing more conventional stuff to push myself. I think it's important that comedians always push themselves. Um, like I mean, that's why I tried the more non-conventional stuff at the mm, moment, because you do you need want to, to experiment. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. Um, and so basically it's sort of exercising different muscles to make the other muscles stronger. Um so okay. no, something it was something sort of me. David Ferguson was always sort of encouraging me. For example, like I always agreed, but he was very adamant. Like you need to always add more strength to your bow. Um, so it's why that's why sort of over. So most people will probably associate me with music as well these days, but that only came in like in towards the end of twenty eighteen. Uh, I, I, I definitely think that's added something to. I mean, I I I I didn't see you before 2018, but you having music in your set does add to the um, the costumes and your whole performance. I mm, think. Well, was, I think it's a good decision. A, yeah. Well, the, the principle is like you you soundtracks in films and games and well to basically convey the mood. Uh, yeah. and setting and basically it's a way of me able to make people think what I need them to think because as you yourself know as and anyone with autism uh, we have a 
social communication disorder, meaning that we're not always the best at articulating our own thoughts and ideas. Um, like, and so me using music is a way of me sort of helping articulating or letting people get more involved into the world sometimes whether they will it or not um <laughs> yeah, you don't I, have a choice <laughs> I, I you're here much, for 10 minutes <laughs> well i there's some like there are comics that like to play to the room and i know how to i do and i've certainly have um and i'm not i'm i do care about the audience despite uh, but I also like to impose my own, like, I'm doing my thing. I want to take yeah, you on this. I don't want to, like, there are yeah, yeah, but, but you need to you need to be who you are on stage mm. rather than just give in to, yeah. to, to the outside. Yeah, yeah. No, but it, I think it is that tough balance between, say, mm. get the audience on side, but still uh, mm. being yourself. Um mm. And that's why I think a lot of comedians do grapple with that. But, like, I, I, I mean, I'm going to ask the other question now. Like, I asked what your best gig was. What was your worst gig? One where you felt... I, I, know, I know it's hard to talk about. It, it, it's almost a ther- therapy session on you. What one made you cry the most? What one made you feel like shit the most? We've all had that. Like, I mean, not cry, but... <laughs> Just shit. Uh, okay. Uh, there's a lot of those. Because, um, <laughs> um, mm, uh, well, I'm not naming it. Um, no, 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 absolutely not. You don't have to name it. It's just uh, good. Um, it's all about the experience. I, I, I think it's actually, um, it's a gong. I think it was a gong show I tried. Um, so I thought it was in 2017 at, like uh much like a fellow comic who went to new york uh that is really good he thought he was going to go to new york and take it by storm i thought in 2017 because i already had some pretty solid material um then or at least what i had based on the environments i was doing it in because i was you pretty much doing very alternative nights anyway so I didn't realize how different the mainstream could be. Um, yeah, but I did it and I got nothing. It was like it cost a lot, but I think it was a. Don't think it was necessarily just the gig itself. It's the fact that there's a guy who reviews the acts in that show, uh, and it really. Oh. Uh, I didn't find that out till. Um, basically, sometime after I did my. Um, when I realised, oh, so you think you're funny, aren't going to get back to me. Um, what? But the audience were laughing at so much more than the other acts in my heat. Um, yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so I found it and because I thought maybe someone's written something like, I don't know, I just really wanted a review and I had friends uni who had reviews from Uni gigs and stuff. Yeah, maybe there'd be a blogger or something like that. Um, I basically found the shit fuck uh, who basically is so flippant. His fucking review, like he yeah, he talks about like my appearance. It's like like 
Oh, when you came on with the long trench, I used to perform in the long trench coat listeners. Um, um, and now it performs in nothing at all. Well, practically. Dependent on situation. Um, I, I think I think your clothes have got less and less any time I see you get on stage. It's almost like you're feeling a little bit nah. more. <laughs> I mean, yes, truly, I'm exposing myself emotionally and physically. Um, no, um because yeah, the whole fighting the swan thing where I do strip that was something I would have already done long before 2017 like that's uh, why I probably have used it so much despite the fact that I probably need to and it's often so hard to change that what been so like it's had some drastic changes to it because it didn't start with music or it's saying it used to have a sort of used to have that set sort of open with a more alien joke where right. yeah. um, but people didn't always get the reference so that goes um, but uh, yeah no, but it's, it's, um, it's yeah I think you do need to it's but, just about experimenting and throwing things out there though um, but, but so I, tr- I moved from trench coat to um basically what i would usually describe it's usually like a hoodie jacket uh and trousers uh, sometimes they'll be strip off ones or not depending on which set i'm doing um i wear vans because they're slip-ons that are easy to take on and off because uh, i used to also wear boots but mm-hmm. <sighs> to having to take your trousers off then take those boots off and then put on the stripper pants and then put the boots back on it's just too time consuming just a like, lot of admin involved really like yeah. all, the, all, all the, the kind of the back stuff and yeah you could ad lib at that time you're doing it and turn it into something but well, no not this is pre-setting up on the stage oh okay fair enough because I, I no i never just go hey audience just don't mind while i change into my costume completely um usually if it's a quote-unquote costume change on stage it's usually Put on a mask, take off a mask. Yeah. Put on a different mask. Yeah. Um, change the soundtracks. Um, so yeah, uh, just, which I like using the music there because I've also managed to make jokes without actually having to say anything, or I can say something, play the soundtrack. I can basically say something and then use the music to punctuate or actually be the punchline of the joke, okay, or be yeah. the feeding line of a joke. So, like, um, one of the ones I'm quite fond of doing is, so I'm going to talk about my childhood, then I play the Ironside soundtrack, as if my childhood was horrific, to then (laughs) pause it and then say, my childhood was fine. Um, Yeah, I remember that gag, that's that kind of, yeah, yeah. You give this image of yourself and it's, you know, despite appearances, I'm well, (laughs) more or less, do you know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, so so really that that sort of gong show, it was probably more about the reviewer than it was about how it actually went or was it a bit of both? Well, it was sort of like the first time I also sort of, saw a set of mine get well not you have to bear in mind before I started gigging uh, outside of Lancaster and Manchester uh, I had not bombed 
Right, so now we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll be talking more about Stephen's experience with his autism. And he'll, Stephen will also be taking part in the infamous Autism Hour quiz. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe and share. Uh, you can check out further episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, just search Autism Hour podcast, where we have episodes from other great comics such as Joe Wells, John Pendle, Juliana Heng and many, many more. Okay. Let's get back to the show. We're an hour into this podcast, hour into Autism Hour, and we haven't mentioned autism once. Well, maybe we mentioned it right at the start. I mean, I think it's just kind of obvious because we're talking so focused on comedy, but then that's most comedy podcasts. But, uh, anyway. but, but, no, but, you know, but you know what's hilarious about this? I've had comedians where I've gone into 40, 50 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. Also sort of saw a set of mine get, well... Not. You have to bear in mind before I started gigging uh, outside of Lancaster and Manchester, uh, I had not bombed. Just realise we're an hour into this podcast, hour into Autism Hour, and we haven't mentioned autism once, and not mentioned what the actual title is. But I think mm. this is the most impressive from you that. I think you won the award for the longest we've got without mentioning <laughs> about, autism. Yeah, without mentioning, you know, we like we passed. No, but no, it's absolutely fine. It's just the editing is going to be a fucking nightmare now. But you're welcome. I, I, I can't, you know, when I said, yeah, come on my podcast, he went, oh fuck, really? Uh, no, it's fine. Do you know what? It's it's me. It's, I think I, I think yeah, that's the thing. When you get chatting, it's hard to. Well, you know, I always, what, I, I always make the joke that autistic people are meant to be good at routines, and it's just so, you know. Oh, I'm uh, very good at routine. Uh, it's just usually my routine. Um, <laughs> like that's, I'm sure that's something you probably want to raise, like how I, until sort of very recently, I haven't really ever talked about autism on stage. Um, yeah. In fact, I've often avoided it. Um, I remember when I first met you, you said that. I remember that conversation. Well, yeah, it's like, and I'm speaking from experience of the real world, like there's a lot of misinterpretation and genuine sort of horrible views that I've experienced of people towards neurodiversity that I'm I'm trying not to name. Um, um, <laughs> I think because I it's very recent and it's quite, I'm quite sore about it. Because it was, um, it was yeah, it was certainly a situation where someone had asked me like, "Is autism an 
excuse for people to do things without being questioned um and it was something and in the context of like that's not a good thing to ask but in if i was to talk about the context when i've talked with other people it's i there's been a lot of sort of abject horror to what's happened to me um in some places let's let's um, let's let's and i don't this. like yeah representing i kind of because of what i do it's weird and quite out there i don't want people want to think oh he does that because he's autistic no and um, you know what absolutely and and i th- i think that's that's very important to point out and also mm. it's a fucking spectrum everyone is different and everyone mm. is different style so what i mean is you can get up on stage any sort of autistic comic can go up on stage and do different sets and it's based on their style, not based mm. on... Um, but also, you sort of, at that point, as soon as I start saying it, I feel, or any comic saying, like, you're, you are representing now to, this, it's like, to the no. neurotypicals. If this goes... If something bad happens, that because you start um okay blaming the audience because they didn't get a joke or you say something <laughs> really shitty it's back a little bit when, yeah. when, when, when were you first sort of diagnosed and how did you deal with that uh so i i was officially diagnosed in 2017 uh october time ish okay. and so i would have been yeah that's like three years i would have been like 23 Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd be twenty-three. Um, I just forgot my age there. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so, which, yeah, that surprises people because late in the game. But to be honest, it didn't surprise me to know uh, I was like it was simply a confirmation. Uh, so it's like, oh, well, this contextualizes things. Um. If only something was done sooner. Um, but was that something you sort of sought? You wanted a diagnosis of something, or did someone recommend you get a diagnosis? Or like, I don't okay. know. Well, the, the first time it sort of raised up to me, um, and my mother says it might have actually been sooner, because, but just not because I'm high functioning that people. Either didn't like the nurses at school didn't notice, or the GPs didn't notice. It's like they could tell something was off, but they didn't know what. Um, uh, until an educational psychologist at uni said, "You might be autistic, but I can't give you the diagnosis because, um, because I'm not qualified to do that. So you need a clinical, and basically it was sort of a, I need treatment." for i need better treatment for depression and anxiety uh, which yeah. uh conventional methods might not necessarily work um no, so absolutely. you have to try and um but also it was a very naive thought at the time that oh this will also give me more equal opportunities when doing interviews yeah <laughs> oh that's that's not that's, that's really... not my, ex- not, not my experience. Like the amount, 
the interview way interviews usually are done there's not something that's in my opinion designed for someone's autistic um yeah like i was talking with actually harry right and you saying yeah uh, and he's himself said like he talked about how he's had to in his own high functioning i'm not sure what where on the spectrum he is exactly but i guess high spectrum spectrum he's also oh, a great comic for anyone who hasn't watched yeah, him have have rights fantastic he's actually, our, actually, him and along of luke polton are probably my two favorite uh acts that are very open with the autism uh, and yeah. have managed to make almost entire five well luke doing the you know you don't look autistic to me uh routine show. yeah yeah the show, show. Yeah. it's an it's a and it's a fun show to watch um yeah and harry being talking like talking about both his autism and his uh homosexuality Reality, yeah 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 because he's saying as a as a gay man i, I like big butts, big butts and, and i cannot lie yeah exactly uh, no no it's uh yeah, you know, that's that's one of my favourite jokes he does. But like, so, so like, so so that there was sort of talk when you were younger about things not, as you said, not being a bit off. But like, is it dyslexia? Is it dyspraxia? No way. Mm. Um, like, there were obvious in hindsight, and certainly like, my sister's also speech and language therapist also had her suspicions that points as well um i'm my um, partner for with my double act whiskey and milk uh uh david anthony his parents who in uh, his parents essentially taught in special needs schools within minutes of meeting me i i go off and his mum turns to david like and uh, see on the spectrum uh, and that's hell. within but she's had like she's retired and had years of experience of dealing with that like you, yourself working it you yourself working yeah. a special needs with candy gg uh, yeah i work with her well no she doesn't work anymore but well because well, because actually her comedy is going brilliantly well and she's another fantastic act as well mm. um oh she's but, really that's that's a i, I saw the uh friday the, nights in it yeah yeah yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i saw that in edinburgh last year and it's absolutely phenomenal it's, actually it's, someone who does a lot of dark material but manages but, to pull it off like, because she's so innovative with it but you know, you know the way because because again we worked together in the special needs school for years. Yeah, and she said to me, because I said, well, how do you get into that mindset? And she's like, I kind of reenact a lot of what our kids do on stage. And then when you watch it, it's like, oh, you've... see, I I find it a bit more funnier because I know where that's coming from. And mm. it's not it's not a mocking of the kids. It's just she said she's actually embracing their personalities. And mm. yeah, it's it's it's. Because I find her set maybe a bit not funnier, but in a different different type of funny. Because mm. I can see which sort of children that we've worked with that she's added to her personality. Yeah. It's it, it's almost this kind of, um, but yeah. But also, no, no. going full on losing your shit on essentially going because I yeah I've been described as quite primal at points on stage. Yeah. Um, but that's actually incredibly freeing 
Uh, and I've even had, I remember a coworker once asking me like for interviews, like, why don't you know, try not be yourself. Like you must, like you're doing a act or a persona on stage. And like, that's when I said to them, well, actually, um, me on stage is probably more myself than I am talking to you right now. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, it's liberation. Um, you can basically, I can basically be me on stage without the same kind yeah. of judgment. Uh, so, so I mean, like, okay, there so, will be judgment, so, but not the same that I might get in the real world. But yeah, what was the? Sorry, we've lost track. So, no, no, absolutely, and because sometimes these things uh, sort of bring up. Often when I talk to a lot of, uh, of of guests I have on, it's like when a lot of them, weirdly, the amount of people that I've spoken to that got diagnosis when they were adults, it's it's like I got diagnosis when I was 11 and it was Asperger's, but I would say I'm on like the more higher functioning sort of less obvious. I've had that you don't seem autistic bullshit like mm. I've had that before. I've had that so many fucking times. Yeah. Um, uh, but I was diagnosed when I was eleven. I mean, luckily enough, my mum worked for a disability charity, so it was almost yeah. like she knew what was going on and she pushed for that diagnosis, but like really full on. But like, um, so you got the diagnosis out in twenty seventeen. Was that hard to get as an adult? Uh, so. Yeah, I um, I went. It's a two-year waiting list, so basically, I requested that diagnosis, and at the end of twenty, yeah, sort of, when I, after, sometime after I gradu- graduated in twenty fifteen, um, and waited two years, and by that point, I had moved south, and they were saying we needed to come up to Chesterfield or Derby, take your pick. As like, um, oh shit, um, uh, but it's sort of like I didn't actually re-register with a different GP because I was waiting for that and they I sort of basically went no you're gonna do the test on me I've waited two years uh and actually not proud of this but I may have had a bit of a breakdown on the way up uh because uh I was because the tube was running a bit late so I missed the train and basically had to call them, ah! yeah yeah of course of course um, you know but it was also I remember talking with a psychologist and basically she was going through and I remember talking about uh stand-up as well um in the same intensity as it's probably expected of any autism when they are interested in something very obsessively yeah. um where like my sister's actually acknowledged I've improved in my ability to sort of talk, try and actually have a conversation rather than just talk at people. Um, <laughs> yeah, like and the, no, and, and it's it's and, and the thing is, I still have, mm. uh, I still struggle with that. I I can mm. very much relate to that because uh, um, because whenever people don't, then suddenly when when they're not interested in what you're saying. 
I can't often tell. So I'll go, oh, they see me now. Uh, but actually networking more with people, it's actually really helped. Mm. And, and, and that's what I was going to ask as well. Uh, has the comedy actually helped with you, with the way you deal with your autism? Um, hmm. Again, not saying it defines it. Not, again, I don't want to get into that conversation but like has it are there parts of the comedy that sort of been like oh it's helped you in your everyday life in coping with things i don't know well i mean i can't i would say that comedy is always something that's sort of i need that creative outlet otherwise rage um yeah um because there is a lot of anger and intense emotions and i need that outlet to basically mm. unleash that but also um as i said to the therapist not the therapist the psychologist um when i first did i remember my first gig and it was sort of like it was almost the first time i ever felt accepted by people okay uh, but immediately when I said it then, I was crying uh, a lot because I oh, it's a big had thing that realised. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, um, I find it very difficult to relate or connect with people, even uh, like I've definitely had to have a lot of different comic friends like remind me that I actually that you know you are respected and loved on the circuit and um despite the fact that sometimes i don't feel like i belong to anyone because i'm not part of the, any of the cliques so I've, i still get that outsider oh no 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 do, do you know what i i, I totally relate um, to that because i don't think i'm i'm cliquey with anyone in particular mm. I, I, and that's actually that's sort of my biggest challenge is the whole networking mm. that's my biggest challenge What's mm. your biggest challenge, like in terms of, as you say, it w- would it be that? Would it be the not feeling well, as you said, not feeling welcome, not not feeling welcome, but not feeling feeling alien, yeah, feeling and... or prior like the prior or the other, which is something I play yeah. very well, which is probably where it comes from because, yeah, and actually, yeah, I was surprised when people were telling me that when they watch the hour uh, the 45 minute show they're like it's surprisingly relatable but Um, but this is this is the thing and this is the thing about why comedy is so important it's mm. like actually i know it doesn't feel like it right now but actually the one thing us comics can all relate to is the fact that we are the outsiders but we we bring Mm. that outsider perspective that a good comedy performance, someone will come out feeling something, not just mm. laughter. Oh, that was good jokes. It was, oh my God, I really, that got in touch with me. And mm. I think you've really alluded to that. Well, actually. yeah, I do like to sort of allude to sort of, I mean, I think mine's more in the realms of, I want to make them laugh, but I also like, to be a bit of a terror <laughs> uh, no but actually but 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 by, by doing that there will be something relatable in that it because opens it, a mind to something because yeah, yeah. It, 
Um, so yeah, we, we we all have that devil in us. We, we all have that kind of terror. In, we all do. Like yeah. this is why I think I don't know. I could go on a rant about this. I talk. I talk to sort of. Uh, I've interviewed Joe Wells on this podcast before, and because he, he's recently come out as autistic, as if it's like you're coming out of a closet, or probably more, oh, a train doors. You come out. I'm autistic. Look, but, no. um, but like he we know. Was, <laughs> but he was saying we know. But, you're obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine at 26. Uh, hey. No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not either. But Although, oh my god, Thomas, I do. <laughs> I will say. Yeah memes uh <laughs> always memes uh have you ever watched thomas the dank engine yes i fucking have and i fucking love it <laughs> uh, oh yes <laughs> uh, followed by <laughs> rapping uh, <laughs> i think it was like i think i had one with niles barkley and he's like one of the most wonderful or oh, there's been others i've heard that is just absolutely sensational but again we're getting off track Perfect track yeah. if you will uh yeah. derailing a bit here sorry i'll stop um, the train the train metaphors it's a strange because i'm not i've never been obsessed with trains uh, no, no. do you know what do you know funnily enough nor have i but i play up to the fucking stereotype on stage because i like to oh, play I... up to it i like to play up to it but i also like to unravel it that's where i see it hmm. going you want to you want to play up to it but also then subvert it yeah, um, that, that's yeah. exactly it. That's, uh, and I think again a good comment. Well, and that's where I think anyone should go. But anyway, like mm. I, I was talking to this Joe Wells, but he was talking about like actually we're all on the spectrum in some way, and and but it's almost like the ones that are oh, they say diagnose say autism. It's actually it's because society hasn't fitted around us. We have to fit in society society is too narrow for us mm. and there, there is that social model of disability that, 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 that and it's a thing it is a thing you yeah know. and the, it's it the, and the, and this is something that generally makes me angry and that um, yeah. they don't listen they don't accommodate if they they think it's like a, they've i've been accused of its excuses or being referred like Throughout my entire, um, okay, like there were odd things, um, and things definitely the teachers probably didn't notice when I was in high school, and it, and I probably fit well in it at uni, uh, but like I was a grade A student uh, throughout high school and um, A level to uni, um, and sort of saying like, yeah, promised quite a lot of good things based on like my potential and abilities, and then going into the real world, um, it's they don't have a fucking clue. No, um, I, I, and do you know what? Like, That's echoed so much whenever I've been doing this podcast. The mm, amount of times I've heard that in different phrases. Mm, um, and yeah. worse, they've. So they end up doing things that are generally harmful. Um, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into detail on that. But like, for example, I would point out like in 2017, in the period of basically August 2017 to December 2017, I did over 30 plus different interviews for entry level medical lab jobs in London. 
when I was already a lab assistant with a biomedical science degree. So they weren't asking for like A-levels. Some of them were asking for GCSE or A-level, maybe a college diploma. And I'm coming with a really good 2-1 bachelor's IBMS accreditation. And they're like, you're not got enough experience. Like, what the, this is like where, and especially because you're like, you're also just, Ah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, and then, or like the questions are so rigid and framework around the because I was running with Harry. Like that, you know, name a time you worked well in a team. Well, if what about what you like on a daily basis on a team? Because that's going to be more accurate of reality. Not what are you like in a hypothetical crisis that may or may not have happened. Because not uh, every no. Job, jobs not like I'm sp- speaking to someone who who's, does routine lab work has done routine lab work pretty much there's not like a group project like yeah. oh we did this and that and we organised like it's usually we know our roles we do these we're just on we go like why are they go? For that? it's like it's almost these quotas that it's almost this thing they have it's funny enough the irony is i think they're too rigid you know yeah. like they accuse us of being too rigid but i think often often mm. they are like but also like i remember and also of, yeah mm, sorry. sorry and i'll go further as well um because this was another thing uh the amount of organizations that they claim to value openness honesty no they fucking don't no they absolutely don't fucking <laughs> care about that because you know how, like <laughs> No, and it's really like, and this is something I've tried to put in sort of what I consider more conventional, which is joking about how because of the autism, and it is the autism, uh, in jobs that I've done, like the when I was working uh, in tw- the job I was doing in 2017 and 18, um, when they say, oh, what do you like about your job? I don't. <sighs> Um, yeah, I know, I know. And it's, you're like, oh, you can't be, like, stop trying to. This is also my issue with positivity as well. Like, um, like I remember using a good book to basically um, call the positivity and how it destroyed America, sort of dismantle um, optimism. And the paper I wrote uh, in it, sort of basically one of the courses I did, and basically saying. Um, to basically say optimate pure yellow hat thinking like okay that's talking about six to bonos hat six hat theory uh but okay let's a lot of the a lot of the optimism there is basically such a thing as toxic positivity um yes yes and and i think this 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 alludes this also feeds into why i think a lot of us are go through mental ill health and I think that plays a big part in that. Yeah, everyone's, no one actually, everyone is trying to suppress themselves and you yeah. in yeah. how you feel. Like, the amount of times, like, oh, don't worry, maybe something will come up soon. Or, you know, one day, like, no, these some of these things that should have been happening should have already happened years yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, absolutely. Not, yeah, not no. not not tomorrow, not next month, today. 
I've but already also, paid my fucking dues. But I've already the, got the, the experience or the knowledge. But it's, it's, it's almost as if this, oh yeah, something will come up, actually, and I think this gets into the autism thing. No, I want practical, concrete solutions to my fucking dilemmas. Yeah. Um, otherwise, and admittedly, I will it? say this, uh, Jean Langhorn uh, at the Francis Crick Institute was an amazing help. She looked at my CV uh, and basically looked from 2017 till 2019, well, even before then, and said, you've not had a good time, have you? Yeah. Um, and she generally helped me. She said, come and do two weeks in my malaria lab. Um, Jesus. And then my department sort of agreed um yeah we'll let them do it with pay though what i will say is uh mm, no i can't say that i'm thinking of an example of someone saying something that they shouldn't have said or it sort of came off as really patronizing and it's sort of like a sh- you, yeah as, oh yeah I, the amount of times like Oh, but we're we're trying to help, and like, but you're also patronising me, or you're not listening to me. Yeah, what I'm saying. Um, yeah, and I, I, and I, I, I honestly think that that's a huge problem, and hmm. they're not listening, and they're not going. Okay, well, this is this is things that are ha- is happening to me. I need help with this. You need, and it, I, I mean, that's one benefit of me working where I work is actually if they were shit at supporting me, then the irony is, oh, you, you help the kids, but you don't help me. Like, they actually let me go on like mm. a few weeks of therapy, but once a morning, like every yeah. Thursday, because I needed it and they supported me and do that. If they didn't, yeah. I'd be like, I work in a special fucking needs school. Like, like, if if I can't have support here, I'm not gonna get support anywhere. But yeah, most workplaces are fucking horrendous like that. And I'm not. And I, as I said, I was talking with. I didn't talk it on the podcast, but I talked with Nathan. Like, I'm not claiming that other groups uh, have it better or no. worse. Because no, it's just different shit, and shit in different ways. Um, but there's a lot of accommodation for other things, but then none for neurodiversity or mental health yeah because it's not like take let's take physical disabilities there'll be plenty of accommodation for that if someone has diabetes they'll understand they need to take the insulin or if they're wheelchair bound for whatever reason they understand they need to have ramps and be able to do the support there and adjust accordingly or um if it's something like epilepsy they need to understand that basically Things that actually are physical, yeah, uh, but we'll, uh, understand. But, but as soon as yeah. it's something of the mind, that's like it. That's when we fall down. A, a mental illness or neurodiversity, ADHD, or they'll basically try and do the bare fucking minimum half the time. Um, Sometimes they might do something and it will just be the minimum and they're doing it to take off a box. Other times they're saying they're doing it, but they're fucking failing at it because they're not paying attention. Um, yeah. And, you know, you get things like, oh, they're trying to help you. Yeah, but you're not helping me by listening to me. You're just going like, we need to do things this way, but not. 
Yeah. There's no cohesion here. No, and it's partly not. why, actually, in many ways, comedy makes real life harder because it, comedy is so much better than the. You can thing, be yourself. The, yeah, I can be myself. Like, mm. if anything, I'm encouraged to be myself um, for authenticity and be creative and do as. and be praised for that. And un, people yeah. understand that I have my own pace for doing things. Um, and absolutely they're, 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 there's a workaround but um, so much of the real um, the non-comedian let's say the real world inverted commas um, basically wants everyone to fit this cookie cutter image and, 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 and life doesn't work like that yeah, no, that's not how the that's not how reality works. And mm. I, 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 you know what? I I would love to sort of I don't know, get you back on here at some point to go into real details about mm. maybe stuff like uh, you know because uh, this autism hour podcast. I, I've I've heard a lot about a lot of what the problems are going on. I'd love to get back you and a few other people to talk about. Are there are there solutions to this? Is, is there things we could be doing? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad to do that. Um, yeah, because because I mean, that that that's a podcast in itself. Mm, uh, yeah, that's like a panel show. Um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's a panel show. Welcome to the Autism Hour Quiz. What I want to go into now, I want to, I always do an autism our quiz and i want to quiz the autistic comedians about how much they know about autism um yes. and did you know it's really weird right luke Poulton, i interviewed him he got like two out of five on here uh because i was a real bastard with my questions fair enough and he turned around and went do you know what i've given so many speak talks about autism but i might need to reevaluate if i should continue to do that after this but i i, I was an arsehole with the questions and i will be an arsehole with the questions with you now uh, and and I, w- I will say if you don't get at least four out of five i'm gonna have to take your diagnosis away from you because that's how it works oh um, no but that's <laughs> how i identify myself <laughs> yeah you identify that, that alone yeah, exactly. That's your identity. I did not know that. That'd really hurt you. That'd get you right into the core. Um, okay, so first one. Is, and it'll just be true or false ones. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes is not one of the answers, but <laughs> sorry. I'm, anyway. Um, hey. Phone okay. <laughs> <Born> a friend. <laughs> fucking ask the fucking audience. Um, <laughs> what audience? I'm talking to myself. Uh, okay. Right. Number one. Boys are four more times likely to be diagnosed with autism than girls. True. That is true. And I was I was going to make issue with what it said here. It said boys are four more like four times more likely to have autism. That's not actually true. It's the diagnosis. that's, And, and it's because girls and boys mm. are socialized differently yeah, and, and yeah, so, i was gonna say like um isn't that the diagnosis statistic that not the actual yeah 
but the way the society's worded it is bullshit. But it's 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 because often girls are socialising to being quieter, so it's hard to pick out which are the autistic girls. Whereas it's harder, it's easier to pick out which are the autistic boys. But because, hopefully, yeah. yeah, the society teaches men to be loud, loud, and women to be quiet. Um, but arguably, I, I I don't think you need to be socialised to be loud, Stephen, and nor do I. So. No, but I'm... Yeah. I'm simply having a go at toxic masculinity. Oh, you know, no, no, no. Uh, and you're right to do so. It's, it's fucking awful. Mm. Second question. Second question, right. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Right, okay. 40% of children with autism do not speak. Bullshit. False. Uh, that I, is actually true. Well, uh, but but twenty. Okay, I will point out. It says that girls to say twenty five percent to thirty percent of children with autism have some words at twelve twenty months and then lose them. Others might speak, but not until later in childhood. Uh, so it's it's not because they can't speak; it's because they choose not to. Um, more often than not. And I've worked with kids like that that are selective mutes. Uh, okay, so it is really about you are these questions are quite <laughs> I, I'm above Oh god, the philosopher the philosopher in me is kind of wanting to point kind of want to dissect these questions, never mind your answers. <laughs> like what do you mean don't speak? <laughs> do you mean can't or Yeah, yeah. I won't. Uh, or won't. yeah. That's why I'm a, I'm a bastard with these questions because I'll give something so fucking vague, and it's an autism hour quiz. So find the irony in that. Um, yeah. Okay, so number three. Mm. This is about Asperger's, right? Um, parents of those with Asperger's are twice as more likely to suffer from depression than parents of children that are neurotypical, that don't have Asperger's. I also thought it would be higher. Um, I'm going to say true, but I actually think it's probably higher. Yeah, it is true, but it could be could be higher. Like, we don't know. Like, and then, do you know what? When I was reading that, and I read it part of my dissertation, it actually said, although we are not saying the autism causes the, causes the parents to become depressed. I oh, think fuck, it's... He's, never, he's still going on about dinosaurs at five. And he, he can say Tyrannosaurus Rex, but he can't say hello. Pass me the bloody bottle. Exactly. True fact, couldn't, didn't want to speak until someone started talking about dinosaurs. Or animals in general. That's brilliant. That is absolutely wonderful. Um, okay, number four. Right. Ah, oh, right. Let me see. Can I? So you've got three out of no, two out of three. No, I've got two out of three. And there are so far. Uh, ah. Autism is the fastest growing developmental disorder, yet the most underfunded. True or false? Mm. Yeah. 
That is true, and there's nothing more on that. But I, th- I think every, uh, more and more people being diagnosed. I, yeah. I was I was interviewing someone who was 40 years old and was diagnosed last year. Like it's insane. Well, like Ian Lane didn't get diagnosed till very recently, and he's in, he's in his 30s. Um, yeah, yeah. Same so, like, so, so, so with Joe Wells. Yeah, it's yeah. Actually, I will. Sorry to go with that. It's like yeah, people are going like, oh, everyone's got a thing now. It's like no. It's just that we've it's got better. It. Our screenings have improved. It's and that when they used to be far shitter, um, and things are just we just understand more and can see, and thus mm-hmm. can see more. It's plenty of things used to walk and go under the radar, um, and there's plenty of probably very famous people in history that have actually had the condition, um, or yeah. some variant of it. Um, absolutely absolutely uh i'm I, again there was stuff like about einstein or whoever like that you one's, know. i think there's something like that one's a bit of an iffy one but there is i know i did recall there's something that something weird about his brain uh like there was part of his yeah. brain that was larger while another was diminished which kind of shows he had something uh but yeah, yeah. we're sorry we've gone on a tangent there so three out of four Okay, one more. Number I'm five. I'm going to keep my certificate. You're this close to. Um, wow. Okay, a 2008 Danish study found that the mortality risk among those with autism was nearly three times that of the general population. True or false? Goodbye, cruel world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna. I'm a bastard. I told you it's false. It was nearly twice as more likely as the general not for place, not three times as many. Uh, <laughs> so uh, again, three out of five, three out of five ain't bad. It's not bad. I have to, I'll take it partially away from you. Um, uh, it's, it's I get to keep half the certificate. <laughs> yeah, you get half of it. You're half autistic. Exactly yeah. half though. Um, thank you so much for uh, being on the uh, podcast today. Thanks for having me, uh, Mark. Absolutely. And, and what, what what I like to finish with is there is there any humorous story about your autism or comedy or both? Uh, something light-hearted, funny about it. Um. Uh, well, um. Not necessarily about comedy uh, that I can think of off the top of my head that relates directly. Uh, but as I said, um, as a child, uh, with the obsession that we have, um, I basically watch things like Land Before Time and the That's episode right. of Pingu where uh, his sister's born. I was just very much aware that uh, chicks or ducklings came out of eggs. So um, my parents, uh, they, when I was at the age of one to two maybe even three had to hide the eggs because i would start looking through um looking for the such creatures that is incredible um, i i can actually imagine you doing that as well that's the funny uh, thing uh because i would, thought i was going to find them so they had to hide the eggs from me um that is because i'd be like no dinosaur no dinosaur. So would you just crack all these eggs open and throw them on the floor? 
you know what? I, I, why that doesn't surprise me? Like, I could, you know, that that's a fucking set in itself. Is she standing on stage throwing eggs at people, going, "No dinosaur, no, no dinosaur, no. no dinosaur, no dinosaur." Um, right, that was absolutely. No, I love that story. That is that is fantastic. That's one funny stories I've heard on on yeah. this podcast. Um, Thank you. See, you can't do observational comedy, Stephen. <laughs> it is in you all along. I mean, observationalism is in all obs all surrealist observers or alternative yeah. will have some observational, and all observational will have an element. Will have that spark of madness very true That's anyone who does true. comedy has a spark of madness in them we're all I insane just, oh um, yes we are we would be on stage um, <laughs> but at the same time everyone who does the mad stuff they all have an element of the rational in them no uh yeah no no person is one thing without actually being the other there's the whole yin and yang thing going on yeah, I I totally couldn't agree more. Right, before, a point to end the show. Do you know, I, I would say end, but uh, I just want to. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing any sort of decency as a kind of uh, the host of this podcast if I didn't ask. Is there anything you would like to promote? Anything um, people people go and find you or anything? Um, Type Stephen Catling. Um, you can find the Facebook page or the Instagram. I mean, you can do the Twitter, but I'm more of a visual comic than a um, than a um, wordy wordy person. Uh, but also, a uh, really good gig I could recommend. Well, you can come, you can go and watch Mark's gig on the night for Virtually Funny, which I will be on along with uh, the amazing Andrew O'Neill. Um, or, um, and or, actually, and uh, I'm on the Quantum Leopard in October, so I would recommend checking that out. That's a really good comedy night. Um, yeah, those are my plugs. <laughs> That's uh, oh, you're on Quantum Leopard. That's absolutely brilliant. I'm really, yeah. I, I might go. I'm, I'm planning on going to the next one, so that'll be fantastic to see you up there. I'm um, saying that touch wood, assuming things don't get worse and it cancels. To be because uh, you're in the competition, aren't you? Um, well, every point? quantum leopard's a competition um, for the for people doing fives. Um, for the fi- yeah. Um, but no, nah, it's more of a sod's law because it's sort of like a. It's another gig I've tried long. Wanted. To, um. Well, actually, no, I haven't tried that. Get on I tried once in 2017. Got no. Asked for feedback. Got a Sam Catlings. Uh, feedback yes there are there is another catling on the circuit uh yeah. he's well i don't think he is anymore but i think he's gone into anyway yeah. um and then for a long time i thought i'm just not going to be i felt i wasn't going to be good enough for him or uh just mm. up his street and then i just went fuck it and sent a video yeah. um but yeah um really happy to do that one no it's, it's a brilliant it's brilliant quantum leopard definitely get yeah. yourself down to that I've, I've applied once got some decent feedback but hopefully in the future i'll be on stage but definitely go see steven there 
Um, and there's some uh, fantastic acts performing oh, along that night as well. There is, there is absolutely phenomenal acts performing on that night. So check out Quantum Leopard. Also, if you if um, Autism Hour podcast is on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, just type in Autism Hour podcast. Uh, Twitter is Autism Hour Pod C One um, and Autism Hour. A podcast facebook page um, you can follow me on insta at mark buckwood all lowercase at laughable1990 on twitter mb comedian one and the laughable twitter handle is probably the most autistic twitter handle out there it's laugh abe 802 27642 the only way that would be more autistic if it had the digits of pi at the end like (laughs) (laughs) like honestly that was just a random thing like i tried to have a normal at laugh able thing and it wouldn't let me so it gave me that it's fucking true story um but also good check uh October the 9th, we have the amazing Andrew and Neil headlining at Laugh Able virtually. Uh, check us out there. And Stephen Catlin will be performing. Uh, so I would highly recommend that. Uh, thank you very much, Stephen, for coming on. Uh, it's been absolute pleasure to chat to you. Um, thank you. Thank- okay. All right. Um, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye. So hey.